Alrighty, boys and girls, welcome in. Alabama Politics This Week. I am Josh Moon and I am David Person. We have Josh's brother work brother in law. <laughs> <laughs> because I side with his wife on certain things. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Uh, we we despite the humor to start. Uh, we have one of the most depressing shows we've ever put together. Uh, so uh, listen, stick around for that because uh, uh, we've we've already uh, recorded the interview uh, that we have with uh, Tabitha Eisner, who's the new mm. vice chair of the Alabama Democratic Party, and uh, she gives a rundown kind of of what's going on at the party or has gone on at the party and where things kind of stand now. And she we, is a. She is a relentless, I think she's a relentlessly optimistic person in terms of yeah. her personality, from what I can tell. Yeah. But you are right. That was a conversation that was an interesting mix of uh, of uh, being very informative and very depressing. I think that's how we both characterize it. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was... Uh... It's pretty terrible in parts. Uh, so um, you know, uh, not not, yes. not not her fault. I mean, she's just telling the truth. No, things, not her but, fault at all. Not her fault. Um, it's just you know the outlook is the outlook is bleak, my friends. The outlook is bleak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, listen, uh, things happen. You know, you get people in and turn things around, um, and and people look back and go, "Remember when it was so bad?" And now here we are. And uh, maybe mm-hmm. you know. Maybe when my daughter is of age to vote, we'll we'll be thinking that. Yeah, you know, that's that's uh, fourteen short I years. Sure from hope now. Hell, I sure hope a hell of a lot sooner than that. Yeah, yeah. I think fourteen like, years is probably a pretty fair a fair yeah, marker. That's, yeah, that's a long time from now, man. Well, but I mean, that's how long it took them in Georgia. You know, ten, twelve years, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that's you know, and they're still not uh, there. They would say they would tell you uh, they're they're still turning things around. So. Um, you know, they, they did some good work in the last uh, election cycle, but, uh, there's, there's still got a lot, uh, a lot of state offices and a lot of gerrymandering to overcome. So, uh, but listen, listen, hope abounds. Uh, uh, but, um, it's, uh, we, we've, uh, we've, we've got uh, a pretty good show, uh, outside from, from that depressing interview. Uh, we've, uh, yeah, it's informative though. Informative. informative. I'm sorry. Yeah. Informative slash depressing interview. Um, you you want to hear it? You want to hear it? You want to hear what's happening? I think uh, I think know? every I think every person who votes for Democrats or who leans Democratic should absolutely listen to that interview. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's a very yeah. uh, it's a very very good interview. I mean, mainly because David and I are professionals and we conducted it so expertly. Um, and so <laughs> you know, I think that you, you get that quality, which is what you should pay for, uh, uh, really. But um, you know. Uh, aside from that, um, we do have uh, uh, Kay Ivey uh, back among the living um, and um, is, um, uh, you know, out out and about now giving interviews. It's going great. <laughs> no problems at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah no, I mean, that this interview that she gave did uh, this loop of an interview, which I thought, mm-hmm. honest to God, in the middle of that interview, I really thought I was watching it on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody posted the video from a TV station and I thought that it had the video had restarted. That's mm-hmm. I, it was. And I she said she gives this answer about, uh, you know, because they asked her about her health, of course, because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, 
that's the story here. And they, they're the ones who made it the story, not anybody else. And, uh, and so they, she was asked about her health and she gives this answer about, you know, you guys in the media, you just wanting to will these rumors to be true. And, uh, and then, and then right after she gets finished with this long spiel about moving forward and, you know, being your governor for the next four years, uh, Mike Kaysen from AL.com asks her if she has had any procedures in the last week. And to which she then replies, Brian, you know, you guys in the media just want to wheel these rumors to be. And and it was, I mean, almost verbatim, the exact same answer delivered the exact same way, even including calling the second guy who's not Brian. Right. Brian, yeah. uh, which and I, I got an idea. They coached her up on this, and they mm-hmm. knew Brian Lyman uh, from the Montgomery Advertiser was going to be there because she was at an event at a Montgomery uh, Elementary School, and I'm sure they let Brian know that she was going to be at this event, and they knew Brian, being a good reporter, was going to ask her about her health issues, and so this was the canned answer that they gave her. And but I'll say beyond that, beyond that. When she gave the answer and you listen to her and I mean, I have a problem listening to people who are having trouble breathing. Mm. It, it makes me feel it in my chest when I when I, you know, when I, I'm, I'm when I'm it makes me very uncomfortable to hear people in whatever setting, not just this, a governor giving an answer or whatever, but in any sort of a setting, it makes me very uncomfortable to hear people talking and they're having trouble catching their breath or kind of being behind their breath when they're speaking. Mm -hmm. And that whole thing made me so uncomfortable watching her because it seemed as though she was so out of breath and so struggling at times, um, you know, to, uh, it just, it, it doesn't seem like she's well, and I, I don't understand why they're doing this. I don't either, because as you said in one of our previous uh, podcasts, on one of our pre- previous podcasts, she could engender so much sympathy. She's already a popular governor, per, perhaps one of the most popular governors in the history of the state, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. So all she would have to do is just say, look, you know, I. I've had some health challenges. I don't even know if she'd need to go into a whole lot of detail. No. About Just, I've had some health challenges. I was in the hospital. The doctors are now giving me a clean bill of health, or the doctors are saying that the prognosis is good and I'm I'm fine. I don't want to go into a lot more details than that. You know, this is my private medical, you know, information, so I don't feel like I should need to go into, you know, my. but I can guarantee you my life is... You know, I'm not, my life is, I'm not about to die. And, you know, however she wants Mm -hmm. to frame it. And I think people would just be like, okay, governor, that's cool. You know, we can accept that unless we saw something to the contrary. Yeah. You know, but transparency is always, as somebody who deals with PR and media for a living, Mm -hmm. transparency is always the best way. Always. I'll tell you uh, what I would have told somebody to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, in this case, um, and you know, from time to time, people ask me uh, <laughs> for for guidance on such things. And mm. uh, what I would have told their office to do is to release a statement, uh, a folksy statement that said something along the lines of, "Listen, you know, when uh, uh, when when you can 
continue on and in life when you know, once you reach a certain age in life there are yeah. things that uh, that you need to to have addressed and i had a small procedure uh the other day i'm going to take a little bit of time uh to recuperate from that procedure but i am alert and functioning well as your governor and uh and i know i'm handling that will be working from the mansion uh mm-hmm. for the next few days and uh and then we will start we will resume my doctors have assured me everything is fine and then i would have had her doctor attach a note from him that essentially said the governor has uh, undergone a minor procedure, uh, which we're not going to disclose the nature of at this point, Mm -hmm. but it is a minor medical procedure. Uh, She had uh, responded well. Uh, There is no threat going forward. Uh, She's going to recuperate and we're going to make sure that she does the things that she does. And if she takes our advice, she will recuperate fully and should be back up and at the office within a few days. Yep. That's the end of it, man. Yep. That's the end of the whole thing. Yep. You know? Uh and everybody's like, oh man, the governor, she had something done, you know? Mm-hmm. And and everybody knows. Everybody knows. This is life. I, I don't know why people run from life, you know? And yeah. uh it's just people have these things and nobody cares. Nobody really cares. The only reason they care is if you lie about it. And continue mm-hmm. to lie about it because people automatically think, oh, well, this must be something serious. They're lying about some shit where she's about to die. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. You know? Mm-hmm. So what are we doing here? You know, I, transparent. I just, yeah. That's. Oh, hmm. drive, these people drive me insane. They really do. Um, I, I, you want to tell you another group driving me insane? Mm-hmm. Um, these people who are out here, these working class people who are out here. Pissed off because some people got ten to twenty thousand dollar breaks on their student loans. Mm. What is wrong with y'all? Why do y'all hate each other so much? That's what I don't <laughs> understand. Why do y'all hate each other so much? Why do you hate to see another working person get something? Because that's what it's that's who it's going to is working people because mm-hmm. it, it cuts off at one hundred twenty five thousand yeah. dollars. You know. Yeah. I mean, so it's not going to the coastal elites, as Marsha Blackburn said uh, over here. And what elite do you know making a hundred grand a year? You know, I mean, get out of here. Uh, yeah, this is working people, man. <laughs> yeah, this is working people. This is going to people yeah. that are out here doing a job every day who are burdened by these damn loans and they can't get anywhere. And should they have taken out the loans? Probably not. They probably shouldn't have taken out a loan, a uh, hundred thousand uh, dollars worth of loans for a liberal arts degree or whatever the hell they've taken out a loan for. Mm-hmm. That's not going to pay them enough money to make the thing back, uh, to, to pay the loan off and to still eat. Uh, mm-hmm. They shouldn't have. And you know who should have told them they shouldn't do that? The people that gave them the loan. Mm-hmm. That's who should have told them. All mm-hmm. right. There's no oversight of this shit. You can go to college for anything and people will just give you a hundred thousand dollars worth of loans with no questions asked. That's, mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't do that for anything else. Nothing else could you do this with. No, no other walk of life could you go into. You couldn't get a house, uh, at, you know, right now, uh, for a million dollars if the house was only worth two hundred thousand right. dollars. You couldn't do it. They would laugh you out of the bank. And so, but this scam that we've put in place here that's trapped millions of Americans into this, into this. And we're, we're just like, and, and then these people over here, that why are you shitting on them? And you know, I saw a guy that I'm friends with who runs mm-hmm. a used car lot, an indicator, was bitching about this. And I'm thinking, dude, your friends and people around you have now got 10 to 20 more grand in their pocket. To go and buy a car. What and you doing? And that's exactly what I was going to say. 
the thing, the big difference between, and, and they've been using the word bailout too, right? Mm-hmm. This is just a, a bailout. Well, you know, here's what it actually is. It is, it is forgiving, you know, the loans of people who are at an, who are at a social economic level where what they're going to do is they're going to turn around and spend that money on something else, yep. be it a car, food, clothes, rent, whatever it is, paying off credit cards, whatever, but they're going to be putting the money back into the economy. Mm-hmm. Unlike what happens in, I think, uh, far too many cases where you bail out the big three automakers, as mm-hmm. has been done, that money doesn't appear to be trickling down, from what I understand. Yeah. It does not appear to be trickling down into the economy. Instead, it's going into the, the pockets or bank accounts or, 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 or other financial instruments of the people who are investors yeah. and who are owners. Yeah, well, you know, we all know what trickles down, and it's not money. Yeah, it's not money. That's not what's rolling downhill. That's right. So, yeah. so my my feeling is that this is a in, this is an investment in the economy, basically, to do this. I don't know that ten or twenty thousand. I mean, ten or twenty thousand dollars off your loan. You know, uh, certainly, you know, off of your loan principal is certainly significant. I'm not sneezing mm-hmm. at that. But in terms of, 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 you know, that's not going to be the difference between somebody uh, being able to buy a yacht or not. Right. Yeah. Right? Or, yeah. or taking a, or taking a, you know, or going to Greece for three weeks or not. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not going to do that. It's no. not going to do that. No, it's a, you know, I saw there was a, there was someone, someone on Twitter yesterday that, that had a thread where he essentially asked people how this, you know, this will affect you going forward. What, you know, what will this do for you? If anything, um, you know, because some people who are out there who have, you know, 75 and $90,000 worth of loans, I mean, knocking 10 grand off isn't, isn't, isn't that big of a deal, you know, mm-hmm. but if, you know, there were, there were several people who said, listen, I had $30,000 left, uh, on this. I'm going to be able, because most of it was Pell Grant, I'm going to be able to get the full 20. Uh, so I'm going to be left with only $10,000 worth of this, which is going to reduce my uh, debt to income ratio to a point where now I can buy a house next year. Uh, where I was not going to be able to do that. Um, you know, I can, you know, one lady said that, uh, you know, she was now, uh, this was going to speed up the process for her and her husband to have a baby and start a family. Um, nice. You know, that that's, you know, that's the sort of things that, that, that are going on here with this. And it's just it, the selfish attitude that we have towards other people in that are in similar situations. It, it drives me so insane, man. It just like we're, Nobody, a lot, I can't help but notice that a lot of the people who are really pissed off at this are also Trump voters. A voter for a man who's declared, what, eight bankruptcies at this point? Right. Who's right. been bailed out of his debt eight times, right. you know, and, and, and they love to talk about his business acumen and how great of a businessman he is. Yeah, right. because we keep letting him out of his damn debts on everything. Yeah. 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 Nobody um, has you know. a problem with that, though. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Nobody, nobody. And and also, I also have noticed that a lot of these people were first in line to get some of those pre-forgiven PPP loans uh, back when the government was handing those things out. Uh, Yeah. As as Bernie Sanders pointed out, the average uh, PPP loan was ninety seven thousand dollars. So, 
You know, Imagine we, and we that. have plenty of money for all these people to do this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, nobody said a word about Joel Osteen's church knocking out, not, out uh, PPP loans while he's living in a mega mansion uh, mm-hmm. over there, tax free on every damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's why. Why are y'all? Why are y'all like this? I don't understand. <laughs> you know, why? Why are y'all like this every time? And listen, it's not just with this. It's with everything. It, with with healthcare. When we talk, we start talking about universal healthcare. Oh, look at these deadbeats wanting free. Yes. What are you talking about? I mean, these are people in your situation. It, it, it we should drive me crazy. I would say, uh, you know, we, we should do universal. Well, universal healthcare. Y'all think you just you should pay for it? That's what I think. I think you should pay for it. I'm like. You were just complaining the other day about how it's costing you a thousand dollars a month for health insurance. Mm-hmm. Imagine what you could do if we just pay taxes on this and we spread it around the entire country. What? I mean, yeah. if you want to know the effect of having good quality health care, look at our Congress, where everybody up there is over ninety years old and living like <laughs> you're just going crazy. <laughs> Nobody ever dies. They never die. <laughs> you know. Tax taxpayer funded health care for just, our Congress people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. and, and you know, Obama screwed up some of that for them. I know. I know he did. Uh, you know, they used to have a real Cadillac system up there, but uh, you know, he forced them to take Obamacare, and which that was the reason why so many of them were against it. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, you know, so they had to they had to go on these plans. But it, it's you know, man, it, it just I, I've never understood it. I've never understood. This thing where if we give money of some, we give a break to people who really need it, it's somehow socialism that's going to destroy the country. But nobody ever bats an eye at bailing out banks and bailing out companies and bailing out these people and handing over tax breaks to, to these companies and you know diverting tax money to this person or that person. Shit, we paid Toyota Mazda $7 million to come here. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and we built everything for them, all the roads and the inways and we killed that poor fish. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just uh, uh, I just I don't. Mm-hmm. So why? Why do y'all do this every single time? That's what I can't understand. Why do y'all do this? Are you why do you hate each other so much? That's mm-hmm. look out for each other. If Look out for people. And why? Why is the question? Why is this guy getting a break on his student loans when I had to pay all mine? When it should have been, why are we giving money? Are we letting people get away with tax loopholes at oil companies that are raking in billions and billions of dollars? And we're still giving them a billion dollars worth of tax breaks every year, by the way. Why are we giving out those tax breaks when they're raking in profits hand over fist instead of paying off everybody's damn student loans? Mm -hmm. That's the question. Why aren't you asking that question? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. No argument from me, my brother. No argument yeah, well. from me. And uh, uh, there's there's one other thing I want to talk about. So, mm. uh, this guy uh, wrote a column this week. Uh, some guy. I don't know who he is. Black dude. Some dude. Um, and okay. um, yeah, he's, he wrote a column, and it's about our uh, one of these things. And I, I've I've complained about this for a long time because it's just a way to lock up people mm-hmm. uh, for, for a longer period of time. And there's never really been any justification for it that I've ever seen. Um, on, uh, you know, well, I, I don't think anybody has ever gone to jail for um, robbery and having not killed somebody. And people thought, well, he should be in jail longer because of this. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, 
I don't understand. So it's your column. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, and it's about those laws, the, the accomplice laws that we have, uh, in this state and they're in other states as well. Yeah. I think um, most other states have them. Actually. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and basically they say, if you are, uh, you're part of a crime in which someone dies, you can be charged with murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what? Well, well, yeah, and I think that's I think that's problematic on its face because if if the if the foregone conclusion is going to be that the person or or multiple persons are going to be charged with murder because of that, it doesn't take into account you know uh, varying degrees of uh, of uh, I think of of involvement and of culpability. Mm-hmm. So yes. there's a basic fundamental question about the fairness of that. And I think this particular case that I wrote about, which happened here in our state, uh, involved a, a, a guy who was a teenager, uh, Lakeith Smith, is a great example of that because Lakeith Smith was charged and convicted of felony murder. Not only did, did he not fire the gun, not only did he not actually kill anybody, but the person who actually killed the person was the police officer. Yeah. So you think about that. Okay. The police officer killed the person. The police officer comes in, interrupts a, a robbery or an attempted robbery, and he ends up killing somebody. Mm-hmm. So, so Lakeith is charged with felony murder because he was one of the culprits. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, an internal investigation clears the police officer of all wrongdoing. The police officer is cleared, but Lakeith Smith, who didn't fire a weapon, didn't kill this, this kid, is not cleared. What kind what? of sense does that make? It just... Well, I don't understand why people would not be happy to say that there is not a requirement that somebody be charged with murder, but there is the possibility that you can be charged mm-hmm. with murder. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, you know, if the uh, prosecutor can prove to a jury that your actions in this were such that um, because of the things that you planned and participated in, someone lost their life. Uh, you know, even I would even go as far as to say, you know, even, even if a police officer shot someone, you know, uh, it, during the commission, if, if if you were committing armed robbery uh, and you were firing back and forth at the police and someone died, I mean, I could I could see a scenario in which, you know what, you did such an you took such egregious action in this that I think you should be charged with a lesser murder offense uh, in, in this because your actions led to somebody having to respond to you in such a way that someone else lost their life, uh, you know, but not you were you were robbing the store and the cop came in and shot somebody and you left. And or you were outside in the damn car waiting to get away and you never you know that these things have happened to a lot of of young kids uh, out there where they were the the driver uh, in in the car and somebody went in and one, you know, one thing happened uh, back and forth. There was a case not too long. I want to say it was in Louisiana in which they were going to go in and ride and they had a they had a fake gun. 
Um, and the kid, was a kid outside and waiting on his buddy to go in with his fake gun and rob the store and the convenience store, uh, worker killed the kid that came in with a fake gun with a gun he had behind the counter. And they charged the kid, the car with, with murder. You know, I mean, that, that can't, that can't be, that can't be right. You know? No. And I, and I also think the other thing that has to be kept in mind here too, you know, is not just the, the various you know, potential circumstances that have to be examined. But this is a 15-year-old kid who did not fire a weapon, you know. A 15-year-old kid should not be, in my mind, should not be treated as though he's a hardened criminal. Now, granted, you know, according to the media reports, they had been breaking into homes, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, so that's problematic. I'm not saying that, this kid is an ain't that he was an angel. That's not right, my yeah. argument. Yeah. My argument is, does the punishment fit the crime? That's a fundamental question that has to be part of defining what justice is in our nation. Does the does the punishment fit the crime? And is that punishment appropriate, especially for a 15 year old? And right. to me, this doesn't check this. This situation doesn't check any of those boxes. Yeah, I, I just I have a real problem. I have a real problem with someone being charged with a crime that they did not commit, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just on its face. And and I think most people would. I And because, you know, I, the, you can say, oh, you shouldn't put yourself in that situation. Yeah, you shouldn't have. OK, no, no nobody's arguing that. Mm-hmm. All right. Nobody is arguing that. But, mm-hmm. you know, if we're talking about a simple uh, convenience store robbery, right? Uh, you know, the, or a home robbery or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, to which if they were caught, uh, you know, especially a 15 year old there that, uh, you know, he'd had some some juvenile troubles and things like that. But mm-hmm. if they were caught, the punishment for that, he he would have long since been out of prison. He would have long since been out of out of detention of any sorts. All right. And so we're talking about this maximum sentence on this thing where it, it his involvement in it did not cause this other crime to occur. This, uh, his involvement in it was this, and it should stay with that because he didn't perform the other action. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, to me, it's, I think there are certainly situations in which I think you could make a case that somebody in performing some, that they, that they had some role in causing this other crime to be committed or this death to be, uh, to have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do believe there there are many cases like that, and I think people should be appropriately punished for that. But you know, I, I just I, it's a problem for me in which you have you took no action that that led to this crime, right? You know, and you can say, well, they, they shouldn't have been robbing people. I understand that, but those things happen every day. Okay, right. they do. Those That's things right. happen every single day, and no one dies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so. You no, know, they shouldn't be doing it. I shouldn't be speeding either. You know, right. uh, you know, I, that that shouldn't happen, and and I should be punished for speeding. But you know, it just and we see <sighs> and we have seen examples, Josh, where teenage young men, uh, and I'm just going to be direct here, where white teenage young men have been given a whole lot of latitude and grace from the justice system when they did things that were far worse than being involved in a home invasion. 
mm-hmm. you know, where you're talking about, you know, the raping of a girl, for example, yeah. or a young yeah. woman. You know, these boys were have been involved with that, and the judges will say, "Well, we don't want to ruin his life, so we're going to yeah. be lenient. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're not going to send him to prison. We're going to give him a chance to to restore his life uh, mm-hmm. for that." You know, but he raped a, a young woman, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Well, it uh, it goes back to you know this this bias, um, and you know, I wish that I wish that there were some sort of of something that we could introduce into the educational system um, that would kind of explain the inherent racism that that occurs in a lot of our our justice system and things like that. I, you know, maybe a theory type class, uh, but um, you know, I, I just think that undoubtedly, when those judges see uh, uh, the white kid from a, from a wealthy family. Uh, or you know, even a middle class family or whatever, they can identify with them. You know, they can identify with this family and with this with this young man, and they can say, "Listen, I know he did a bad thing, but he's gonna be fine because you know I know so and so, and they're gonna be they're gonna get that turned right around, you know, and just like they did." And mm-hmm. they identify with that, and that is part of the inherent racism. That exists, which is covered a lot by uh, the the famous CRT, and you know, in which we could learn a lot more about this. And I would say also uh, to to a lot of people that that have, if they've listened to this and they're on the other side of this thing, would say, "Well, you wouldn't be thinking that if it was your family member that died." It's the same way. It's the same way the parents of those kids who were raped felt. You mm-hmm. know, you wouldn't be thinking that if this guy got off for That's doing right. that. That's right. uh, you yeah. you would want to know why in the hell is our system like this? Mm-hmm. Well, that's why. That's why mm-hmm. the system is like that, and it's also part of the reason why we have this accomplice law in place is because they tried to figure out every way that they can to punish people, and you know, in their mind when they're doing this punishing, it's not white faces that they see. No, mm. that's it. I think, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, this has been our uh, uplifting portion of the show. Um, <laughs> all downhill from here. Uh, <laughs> but it'll be informative. Oh, yeah. It'll be informative. No, it will be. It, it is. It is very good. And it's not as depressing as it as, as I'm nah. about to be. It's nah. just funny. Uh, so, um, yeah. Stick around. Tabitha Eisner is going to join us in just a minute. Back in a moment. Alabama Politics This Week. I'm David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know you listen to me and Josh every week, and we have a blast as we talk about Alabama politics and culture and as we interview newsmakers and journalists about Alabama politics and culture. Thanks for your support of this great podcast, and I hope that you will continue to not only listen, but to share it with your friends And also give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. Thanks a lot. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. And we are happy now to have with us. uh, She's been with us before, but now she has a title. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, she didn't have a title before, uh, but now she's in and then she's got some responsibility and, oh uh, man, people are going to look to her and start calling her for things and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's uh, already so, started. Yeah. Hasn't it already started? It's started. Oh, yeah. 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 Right, so uh, she's the vice chairman of the Alabama Democratic Party. That's Tabitha Eisner. How are you, Mrs. Eisner? I am good. Thank you very much, Josh. Uh, so um, you got this thing now. <laughs> mm. uh, what you want to do with it? Well, I'm, I'm, I feel a little bit like the dog that caught the car. Um, mm. And uh, but I think that's uh, that's how it goes. I mean, the. Alabama Democratic Party is uh, a beast uh, of an organization and has faced a lot of challenges over the last decade plus, and is still recovering from the fact that it's no longer the party in charge. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you when you get established as the the dominant party, um, you have to take a completely different approach than when you're the minority party. So. Lots of changes to be made, and unsurprisingly, it's kind of been a painful process. Yeah, and I was I was going to talk about that for a second. Um, <clears throat> so uh, you know, there was this whole thing a couple years ago where Joe Reed was ousted, got rid of Joe Reed, and uh, he was gone, and now Joe Reed's back. Uh, and uh, I know Randy Kelly doesn't doesn't like to be referred to as a Joe Reed. Um, I don't know what the a stooge or however people call him, you know, is uh, his uh, his guy. Uh, but I mean, you know, he's, he's kind of his guy. Um, and, you know, there's already talk about going back and revisiting the bylaws. There's there was a whole lot of hurt feelings, I think, uh, after the uh, after the meeting, uh, especially among the young Democrats and. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's one of the major criticisms of the party is that, uh, spent a lot of time fighting amongst each other. Uh, and it has really limited the amount of fighting that gets done outside of the party. So how do you stop that? Um, especially given what was said, you know, after the, uh, after the fact and with the feelings that seem to be hurt, uh, and the, and the plans to rewrite bylaws and whatnot, how, do, how is that going to get stopped? Well, you know, I think um, the the plant that grows is the one that you give the most attention to. So mm-hmm. um, I don't plan to attend to uh, those uh, those desires for war. I plan to attend to the desires for peace, and I plan to go after the Republicans, and I plan to build connections among Democrats. And I don't have much time for discussions of uh, you know the internal war. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, I, it's not that we never it's not that we're pretending there isn't still mm-hmm. tension within the party. Sure, there is. Um, but we got bigger fish to fry. You know, if you're trying to have a healthy marriage, um, you don't focus, you know, on all the things that are going wrong or that are difficult in your marriage. You find something to do together that gives you both joy, that reminds you why you want to be together and how good it is to be together. So mm-hmm. let's get to it. Let's start doing the stuff that reminds us how good it is to be together as Democrats. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. That That's uh, I think that's astute. Um, I, I want to there are, there are a few things I want to raise here, uh, Tabitha. First thing is, well, congratulations, first of all. Thanks, uh, I know this is not your first foray into 
the uh, the ring as it relates to uh, trying to lead the party. So now that you are here, uh, how do you how do you think um, how do you think things are going to be? Or, or, or let me not even talk about how things are going to be. Let's talk about how things are. Now that you're here, what's the difference that you feel so far between being where you've wanted to be versus trying to be and actually being successful in being an influencer outside of the, outside of the, the halls of, of power of the party, if you will? Yeah. So I think what I, I think what you're saying is uh, I have I have previously been an outside critic, um, a commentator, an influencer. Um, and now I'm in the in the office um, and that that's a little bit different. I hate yeah. people who just sit on the outside and, th- and, and have opinions. They're <laughs> so but, terrible. But, you know, in, in I'm, I'm case, kidding. I mean, that's what I do. You know? uh, right. That's what we do right. for a living. But that's yeah. <laughs> but but in Tabitha's case, I think she really was just uh, uh, not only were you, you know, you use the word critic. I wasn't even thinking necessarily critic, but I really do. I saw you as somebody who had some influence. You know, mm-hmm. who had a voice that was being heard. So, uh, so now that you're now that you're in the seat where you can, you know, really affect a lot of change. How what what's the difference that you're feeling? Well, I love that I have a um, I have a mouthpiece now. I have a bullhorn. Um, you know, I I was uh, asking for the bullhorn on a regular basis previously, mm-hmm. but having that title does help. Um, you know, and I am. Um, that is a title that, uh, you know, it can only be taken away by the SDEC and, um, it's a four year, uh, it's a four year bullhorn. Um, so I'm grateful for that. And, um, I'm really excited to be able to be, uh, speaking the democratic message, um, with more authority and, uh, you know, having more opportunities uh, to speak to the media like you all, of course, um, and thanks for having me. Um, but, you know, I'm hearing from lots of reporters with questions about where is the party on these issues. And um, I'm grateful uh, to have that opportunity because the party needs to be in every uh, in, in as many conversations as we can be in. We need to be speaking loudly and boldly. We need to be fiercely advocating for what we want to see happen and not not rolling over or being silent. So, uh, second thing, and I've got two other things I want to raise with you. The second thing is, um, Josh, I think very accurately described the perception that many people have of pastor Randy Kelly, who's now the, uh, the, uh, the chair of the party. They see him as many people, not me. I'm going to be very blunt about this. Not me, but many people see him as automatically as an extension of <clears throat> Joe Reed, um, uh, you know, you know, Josh used the word stooge, you know, there's another word you might use puppet, you know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that, that, that will see him that way. And I, and I'm, and I'm saying this because I've even, as I have circulated around, uh, certain pockets of the party, uh, it's been pretty obvious that that's how people feel. I, you know, I push back on that by suggesting, first of all, uh, well, you know, 
people know, and I'm going to use an example here from the other party, people know that uh, Katie Britt used to work for Richard Shelby, right? People know that um, that uh, he has been unequivocally, unabashedly in her corner. I don't hear people characterizing her as a stooge of his or as a puppet of his. And, and it makes me feel, quite frankly, <clears throat> understanding the complicated racial dynamics that permeate our party and our state that people are making assumptions about Randy Kelly because he's a black man, that people are not making about uh, Katie Britt and her relationship to Richard Shelby. How do you feel about what I'm saying? I mean, I hear you. Um, in my mind, you know, it's, um, I think it's true that the ADC has operated um, not merely as a caucus, but as a power base. Um, in a, you know, in a really effective way. Um, and so, uh, you know, being, you know, Randy is very much aligned uh, with the ADC and that power base. I think that's um, hard to, hard to argue against. Um, you know, when I think it was just yesterday, uh, Chair Kelly turned in the um, official Democratic nominations, the certified primary results to uh, Secretary Merrill. And uh, standing by his side was Dr. Reed. Mm -hmm. um, if you call the Alabama Democratic Party offices today, you will be forwarded to the Alabama Democratic Conference offices. The person who's answering the phone is at their office. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I don't think people are, you know, off base when they say that Randy Kelly and the ADC are tightly aligned with one another. There's a lot of, but I a think, lot of truth to that. Well, I think but I think there's a difference between saying someone is tightly aligned and saying somebody is a is a puppet or a stooge or an extension of. I think there's a difference. I think there's a nuanced difference there that I, I don't though, hear, uh, Josh, that I do not hear yeah. people doing with Katie Britt and uh, Richard Shelby. But I don't see Richard Shelby like come, sitting next to Katie right. Britt at the... At, He's at the given set. her millions of dollars. Yeah, on, not 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 his money though. Really, I mean, it I doesn't mean, so matter. It, it's know, going to I, her. It's going, Josh. It's yeah, going into support but, of her. They are uh, inextricably I, linked. They are inextricably linked, I'm and I don't hear people linked, saying yeah. that she's a stooge of his or or a puppet or anything else. Well, I mean, no. so, right in general, stooge language and puppet language. Let's not do that. Like, yeah. Katie but, but is that's a, what people are doing. I'm uh, well, saying, I know, but it's yeah. not clear. I think what's not clear, David, is whether you're saying Katie should be called a stooge or whether you're saying Dr. What, Kelly should not. And in my I'm opinion, Dr. That, Kelly should not be called a stooge. Neither should Katie. They exactly. Are, they that's are, what I'm saying. They were mentored by someone. Exactly. And they will likely carry forward in a similar mold. I don't I it, don't think it, the two are similar, though. I don't I don't think that they are. And, and, I, and I'll tell you the reason why I, I say that is and it doesn't have anything to do with race. Uh, it has to do with with the history that uh, that Randy Kelly has with Dr. Reed. And and if you look back at the number of the lawsuits, who were the plaintiffs in those lawsuits? They were all usually Randy Kelly. 
uh, was one of those was one of the people that were there. It was right by his side doing a lot of those things. When uh, whenever there was positions opening and things, it was Randy Kelly that Dr. Reed turned to for these things, and he's done it again in this instance. And so I I don't think that uh, you know when somebody says. He's. Do you? I'm going to ask you this. Do you think if Dr. Reed has an idea for the direction of the party, let's say rewriting the bylaws uh, to give the ADC more power, do you think Randy Kelly's not going to do that? I think that we don't know what Randy Kelly is going to do because, first of all, he hasn't done it. Secondly, mm-hmm. I think that to us to assume that because two people are inextricably linked, that their motivations are the same, their thought processes are the same. Josh, you and I agree on probably, I don't know, probably anywhere from 95% to 99% of politics and ideology from, from what I can ascertain. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we have arrived at it because you said to me, Dave, you should think this way. Or I've said to you, Josh, you should think this way. Right, we've because arrived arrived at it based on each our other. Own, we've arrived yeah. at it based on our own... Um, on, on, based on our own thought processes, and yeah. you were saying I mean, this, you the power dynamic. Yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I, I just I think we're we're going to disagree on this, but because I, I, I mean, not neither of us have the power over each other, and and I think that's where it comes in with Dr. Reed. And I think a lot of people are concerned because they know his history as well, and I, I think this would be a, a very interesting uh, question for for Tabitha as well, which is giving his history. Of of let's be honest, he has a, whether you love him or hate him, he has Dr. Reed. I'm talking about has demonstrated an ability to exert his power um, and insert himself in in matters to a very a, a very effectively in a lot of uh, ways over the years. And I wonder if that is a concern uh, now for for you as to whether or not you're going to be able to. Uh, conduct business that you want to, or you're going to have uh, every time you and he don't agree on things, uh, it's it's going to be his way that, that gets done. Well, he's the chair. Let me just be clear. I am the vice chair. I am not right, no, I'm chair talking of the about, Alabama right. Democratic Party. I, and I'm talking about Dr. Reed here in this, right. in this particular so, but, instance. Yeah. But Chair Kelly has the authority to take advice from whoever he wants and mm-hmm. the authority to ignore the advice of whoever he wants. Now, whether that's going to have good outcomes or not, it remains to be seen, but he, he has every right to do, to agree with Dr. Reed on every single thing. If that's what he wants to do, he was elected Mm -hmm. to the position. He gets to run the party. I, my duty as vice chair is to assist. That's my duty. So yeah, I'm, you know, say, I'm hoping I'm yeah. hoping that it's assist and influence assist mm-hmm. and, um, you know, ha- have some persuasion, maybe. But that's not in my duties to persuade. You know, my duty is to assist. And I'm I'm. I am taking comfort in my belief that I think that Dr. Kelly wants this party to succeed. And so let's try it. Let's let's do it. Yeah, and I think. And I think you got to give him a chance. I think you got to give him a chance to demonstrate, you know, what his leadership style is and what his thought process is. And and I'll finally say on this, um, Tabitha and Josh, I think that, um, you know, um, 
this is probably this 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 conversation falls within that that one percent sliver, Josh, of where we disagree. Because I, <laughs> yeah. because I truly yeah. believe that be, having been around Randy Kelly, uh, I truly believe that uh, while he and Joe Reed, like you and I, will probably agree on ninety nine percent of things, I think I believe from being around him that the way he arrives at things is based on his own thought process. And I think it's just easy for people to sort of see him as nothing more than a puppet of Joe Reed, but we'll see. Time will tell. I've got one other question for you, uh, Tabitha, and that's about money. I was on a call with, uh, with pastor Kelly and some other prominent Democrats and, and democratic supporters, uh, about a week or so ago. And um, Pastor Kelly was scathing in his assessment of the financial decisions that had been made by the previous leadership of the Democratic Party, the Alabama Democratic Party. Uh, In fact, he cited one thing as an example. Um, You know what? Uh, I'm trying to think. Was Was it the HR company? No, it was the parliamentarian, the parliamentarian. Uh, I won't quote the figure because I'm not exactly sure if that was if 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 they were considering that a privileged conversation or not. But uh, but I will say that he quoted an exorbitant what I would think would be an exorbitant amount of money to have a parliamentarian uh, help to keep order uh, for uh, a party meeting for about what an eight hour period uh, or to ensure that, you know, there was some sort of Robert's rules of orders or or something like that. So, uh, and I said it that way because I know Josh, I I saw the look on your face when I said keep order because I know. I've never been to a democratic meeting where there was an order. What are you talking about? Yeah. Some would say what order. He did a a very poor job. I don't know what he was paid. If it was a dollar, he didn't do it. Well, well, which, which, which really makes my point, I guess, about Mm -hmm. the, the exorbitant amount of money. Uh Uh, So my question is, what is your understanding of the financial situation of the party? And, and based on what you know so far, what can be done to improve it in, in enough time to help candidates who are facing November midterm, a November midterm? Well, I mean, let's be realistic. It is basically September. And are we going to turn around the party's finances, have a bunch of fundraisers, turn around the party's finances, hire new staff and get those staff fully functional in time for the November election? No, that's impossible. Um, the, The reality is the party needs to change when it elects leadership. Electing brand new leadership 90 days before a major statewide election is outrageous Mm. and it sets us up for failure. Um, And, you know, all those staff uh, left, there were 12 full-time staff. They're down to maybe one that's left. Uh, And you can't, you can't rebuild an organization 
in 60 days. What's happened to those staff people? You said there's maybe one left. Did they quit? Were they fired? What what happened to them? Um, I believe that most of them resigned uh, before the that SDEC meeting on August 13th. Okay. Um, right. So the party was running out of money to pay salaries. Uh, and uh, so folks were resigning perhaps because they knew the party was running out of money, perhaps because it's pretty standard to offer your resignation when new leadership is elected. And they knew new leadership was coming because Chris England wasn't running again. So, you know, I think there are a number of reasons that it makes perfect sense that folks would have resigned. Uh, and then, um, you know, so we're, we're starting, we're starting basically from scratch here. And the party, the party had received in the 20. 1920 cycle, the party received seven million in revenue. I'm sorry, could you say that one more time, please? Sorry, what now? Uh, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, I thought you said seven million. I know that can't be right. What you said, what now? That's correct. In the 2019 2020 cycle, the party received seven million in revenue, what and the party is down that? to a hundred thousand dollars on hand. Maybe. Where, 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 so, where is all the money? 12 full-time staff from 2019 to 2022. 12 full-time staff. Uh, uh, Josh, I have heard the word gravy train used by some people in this context, talking about <laughs> the party and, and employee, various employees of the party. And, and to be fair, to be fair, I think their intention the the theory probably was we need we need all hands on deck invest big time in the party having staff and really getting things moving and then that staff will be able to fundraise and keep the momentum up and be able to sustain itself that is one mm -hmm. one model or philosophy of growth is that you get enough money to get it started and then you hope that once there are all these people they can keep themselves funded and afloat it just didn't happen. All that money yeah. that came in from the Doug Jones campaign and from, you know, D DSCC and whatever else, you know, all that money that came in, they weren't able to sustain that over time. And they probably should have cut back on staff sooner. But hope, hope reigned eternal, I suppose, is my guess about what happened. Um, so, you know, I, we went from you know, it, I, can, I can show you graphs The you know, the party's finances have pretty much, um, you know, stayed fairly level and consistent, uh, higher in election years, lower in non-election years over the course of the last 12 years. And then there was that one cycle where Doug Jones was telling everybody under the sun to send money to the party. Some of it went back to Doug Jones's campaign, but a lot of it went to staffing. And it just wasn't sustainable. So we need to find a middle ground that's not uh, a non-existent party staff, but that's also not 12 full-time, highly paid staff. Uh, so, uh, uh, and I guess this, this will probably be our, our last uh, question because I think it's, it's going to take some time. Um, and because I think it's, it's honestly the question that so many people have. Um, Democrats, I'm talking about. Um, well, it'll help Republicans too. Which is, what the hell happened? Uh, you know, what 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 happened over the last 
three years. Uh, I mean, it, there was such a there was such hope, I would say, um, and not just because they were getting rid of Joe Reed and Nancy Worley and other things. There, there was there was a national movement. Uh, here, there was money that was flowing into the party. There was money flowing to Democrats. Uh, there were recruitment efforts that were going to uh, be undertaken. Everybody was moving in the right direction. Uh, we were building this house, and this, I, you know, I, and I'm, I when I say this, I'm not being critical of anybody. I, I, I like Chris uh, a lot. Uh, I think he's one of the best people we have working in this state. I like Doug yeah. a lot. Uh, I think that yeah. he was the best senator that I've had uh, from this state in my lifetime. Uh, a, a friend, and and I and I like him a lot. I think I think a, a lot of, of both of those guys. Um, I, I, I like Wade. Uh, you know that uh, was uh, was there every day, or you know was running the party every day. I guess I should say. Um, what happened to what I mean to not just the money, what happened to the candidate recruitment and to the get out the vote efforts and to the uh, I mean, how the hell do we end up with Yolanda Flowers? OK, I mean, I, I mean, I, she may be a perfectly nice lady, but she's not she's not going to win. She's not going to inspire anybody down the ballot. How did this happen that we ended up with with this lack of investment in candidates and because I know there are good candidates you Stephen and uh, Randall Woodfin and uh, I mean there are good people that are out there that people that legitimately excite people what where what happened well it's all all this stuff that you were saying about internal fighting and folks don't trust each other you know um there's just not there's not trust in the Democratic Party as an institution. That has not happened. Um, and, you know, what what has continuously happened under various leaders is that there's an in crowd and an out crowd. And if you're friends with the people at the top, you're going to be recruited and you're going to be your phone calls going to be returned and you're going to get the right information. And if you're not friends with the people at the top, no one's calling you back. No one's asking you to run. No one's offering any assistance at all. And that is just no way to run a party. We need everybody, everybody to be included in this. It's, we don't have the luxury of picking and choosing. We don't have that luxury. So we have to stop with that nonsense that says only people who have been loyal to my little crew get to be part of the action. That has hurt us over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, and and every administration for quite some time now has behaved that way. We got to stop. We got to change. Could somebody, and we've mentioned this before, and I hate to keep bringing it up, but could somebody not talk to Anthony Daniels about things? Well, <laughs> I mean, and, I mean, and what? I mean, Anthony Daniels didn't come to the SDAC meeting. I, I know because <laughs> Look, I, he doesn't want he doesn't want to get caught in this is my, my understanding. I know he doesn't. He doesn't. He, so he, he and that's I think that's a, to one person. There is not a savior figure. I'm not saying there's a savior. Found yet. Right. I'm not saying I'm not saying. Listen, I, I, I don't don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I like Anthony uh, as well as I like Chris and those guys. I'm not saying he's the savior. I will say in terms of identifying people to run in elections, encouraging them to run. And supporting them financially, I don't know that the party has had a more effective person in the last several years than Anthony. That's my that's my only point uh, when I say yeah, that. And he, and has, it, he has done that. He has recruited yeah. people in a few seats 
mm-hmm. across the state this year, and he is supporting those people. And, you know, those are some of the people who have the best chances of winning seats. Mm-hmm. Um, but so part of what I want to say is what Anthony's doing is fantastic. And what the ADC is doing in some areas where you know they have significant power and influence is fantastic. And what the Democratic Club in Lee County is doing is fantastic. And what Persistence Pack is doing is phenomenal. And what like all of these different groups, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's stop seeing them as factions and start seeing them as the spider, the legs of the spider that make us successful. We don't want right. to have the kind of party. I don't know if you've ever read the book about the starfish and the spider. Um, sorry, I, I meant to say starfish all that time. Let me clarify. So there's this notion that the great thing about a starfish is you cut off, th- there's nothing you can do to kill a starfish. It's very hard. You cut off a leg, so be it. The thing regenerates, it keeps going. The problem mm-hmm. with a spider is you cut off its head and all the legs go limp. All those legs, worth nothing, because they rely on the on the head of the spider. Mm-hmm. We need a party, a state party that's a starfish, that's not so dependent on having one central figure, one central office through which all the magic must go. Mm-hmm. We need to celebrate all of these organizations that are doing their things. That's what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia. She didn't insist on having all the power to herself. Mm-hmm. She encouraged all these groups to do what they do best and to lift each other up and celebrate each other and say, if you're taking care of that, great, I'll take care of this other thing. And that's how you get a party that works, is not by centralization, but by decentralization and celebrating yeah. all of these all of these pieces that are spread out across the state and operating in their very particular ways. I, I don't I don't disagree with with anything that you said, um, except for I think that. There's got to be a central leader in this. And um, yeah, and, and it, there was in Georgia. And I, I know what you're saying about Stacey Abrams is, is 100 percent true. But that that kind of leadership, uh, almost selfless leadership um, is what is going to be required here. Uh, somebody who can go in and say, listen, you know, y'all have done a great job here. Uh, with the ADC and, and, and controlling power. And we need you to help us understand better how, how to manipulate things because <laughs> damn it, you're good at it. You know uh, you know, you really are. Um, and, and how to do the get out the vote and uh, how to, how to build these coalitions and things and how um, Anthony does this stuff in, you know, that he does with national fundraising uh, and promoting candidates and identifying people that can run in certain districts um, and, and how you're right. The Lee County people who are really, really something else. Um, you know, and, and Somebody that doesn't need recognition from doing that, from bringing these people together. And so is are the people now is Randy Kelly and and yourself. Can y'all do that? I don't see why not. Have you started? Yeah. 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 I I happen to know. I'm, I'm asking that almost rhetorically. I know you've actually started. Yeah. Because I'm on persistence, yeah. I'm on the persistence pack board, I, so I know you've already started. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know all those kinds of partnerships. I'm partnering with Persistence Pack on something, and um, those kinds of partnerships are how we 
build trust with one another, right? Like the first time we work together, we don't know what it's going to be like. And so everybody's a little bit nervous. But the second time you work together, everybody relaxes a little bit. And by the third time you work together, it's high fives and you're off to the races. But you have to encourage people to do the first round. You still got to work together even when you're giving each other side eye the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like do it the first time and little by little that trust gets built and you start finding that you can do so much more in partnership than you could do in competition. So we've got to build those relationships. And that's what I'm working hard to do is just make those connections. I love what you're doing in Houston County, Linda Turner. And so I want you to meet Chris Nelson and Shelby. And I bet the two of you can do something cool together. That's what I see my job as, is making those connections um, happen and helping Mm -hmm. people trust one another who might not otherwise. What other question occurs to me, Josh, if you can indulge me real quickly? Um, oh, no, absolutely not, David. I'm sorry, your time is up. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember someone and, you know, like like Josh, I'm a big fan of Chris England's. I, I, I have been a big fan of his for quite some time, fan of his father's, all of that kind of stuff. But I do recall someone saying to me something that I found very curious. Um, they said um, and I hadn't been keeping track of it, so I didn't know. I, I never was able to, I never even tried to corroborate this, but they said that there had been no meetings of the democratic executive committee for like an extended period of time. It may have been a year, two years. Oh, okay. You say about three years, three years, three years, three years. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're corroborating it. You're saying that based, based on your understanding of the records and so forth, there hadn't been a meeting. Um, is that going to change? Because it seems to me like that's in order to accomplish what you trying to accomplish, that has to change. Well, well, I do think we should be meeting regularly. However, what I want to see happen is not going to happen at an SDEC meeting. If you've been to one of these meetings, they are not for, they are not really for that purpose. Um, maybe we'll get to that point someday, but what I'm looking forward to is all of the little, um, all of the smaller meetings that happen on the side where, you know, Shelby County gets to know Bibb County, um, and, you know, Lee County gets to know Russell County. Like it's the, we're going to have to start with kind of smaller scale, scale conversations. Um, but we do need to be having regular meetings. Um, that's just about accountability and transparency. If, the whole point of changing those bylaws, that whole drama that went down three years ago, the, the DNC, you know, kicking uh, Nancy and uh, Chair Kelly off um, of the DNC, all of that was about establishing bylaws that gave authority to a diverse set of voices that, you know, that there needed to be a representation from lots of diverse caucus groups. And then, and so it was all about hearing voices that aren't getting heard. And then no, as soon as that happens, as soon as those folks got elected, they were promptly ignored for three years. That makes it seem like it was never really about getting diverse voices to be heard in the party. Sounds an awful lot like it was about something else. So... If, if it really is, if the reason the bylaws had to change really is because we need diverse voices to be heard in the party, then we're going to have to create some situations for diverse voices to be heard. 
Otherwise, it seems to me like it's just about who has the votes to grab the power they want. Oh, Hamilton, you have the votes. You don't (laughs) have the votes. So, look, um, this has been... Uh, a weird mix of informative and depressing. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the uh, exact same thing. Uh, so great conversation, uh, thanks, but really I guess depressing. You know? Uh, uh, yeah. You're I mean, welcome. Uh, so, You're welcome. Uh, that's okay. I'll come back. Thanks for anytime that. you want to be informed and depressed. Wait, can I at least end on a hopeful note or something? Uh, no, listen, I. Look, here, here's the thing. All right. Um, and, and, and I'll say this with, with completely sincerely. All right. There is, you know, you, you can um, you can dislike uh, uh, Tabitha and or whatever. OK, but there, there's no doubt that she has enthusiasm about what yes. she's doing and yes. and she has good intentions for the party. All right. And those two things together, if we could just get that in a lot of people, I think we'd have a lot better party. So I appreciate what you're doing and and I yep. hope that y'all have some success. Um, yep. And, and listen, you know, try not to depress people so much, but otherwise you're doing great. <laughs> you know, that's uh, how could somebody who is so depressing questions. <laughs> oh, that's and that really. <laughs> right. I think that's it. That's it. Yeah, right. That's there, it. Because what happened re- is a pretty depressing question, I guess. She's, what she's relentlessly optimistic, and yet we're ending this, you know, uh, feeling depressed. That's pretty weird. Uh, but, well, it's not yeah, her fault. Like it's question. not her fault that it's depressing. It's not her fault. Yeah, it's so, our fault. Yeah. We, we take yeah. this well, It's not our fault. No, we didn't do any damn thing. It's the whole state minute. of Alabama's fault. It's the GOP's yeah. fault that we don't have, yes. are in such bad shape right now. And, uh, you know, we have, we have a a GOP that has complete control over this state for a dozen years now. And what have we gotten from it? They got to mm-hmm. do whatever they wanted for 12 years. And are we gotten off the bottom of the barrel? No, we've sunk further down in the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. We're and it's time to the hold them accountable for that. It is time to hold them accountable for that. I'm with you on that. I can say yeah. amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, we wish you luck, all the luck in the world. And, uh, and, and we're, we're here, uh, you know, if y'all need to need some help. So just, uh, let us know what, what we can do. Um, you know, David's a, is a Democrat and he's said that many times. I'm, I'm undecided. So <laughs> as everybody knows, I'm, I'm undecided. Yeah. All right. Uh, as Tabithizer, thank you uh, for Thanks spending a, 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 a long time explaining a lot of stuff that really needed to be answered. So uh, we, we do appreciate the time and um, and listen, y'all get on get on board and and get behind them and you know get it, give them a shot and and let's see let's see what happens. Could it be worse? I don't think so. Yeah, we thank you for the opportunity for a little bit of patience while we yeah. figure out a good game plan and get things moving. All right. All right, well, good luck to you. All right, we're going to slide out. We'll come right back in just a minute. Alabama Politics this week. Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, Shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or whatever, whatever your question may be. 
uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections, so shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama politics this week. Just Moon, David Person. Um, you know, uh, let's uh, let's go right to our uh, right wing nut, mm-hmm. uh, because I think we could talk about this for a few minutes. <laughs> uh, our right wing nut is Perry Hooper. Yeah. Uh, Perry Hooper Jr. I'm sorry. Perry O. Hooper Jr., mm-hmm. uh, a uh, Montgomery political, former state rep, uh, Donald Trump's right hand man and um uh, a guy who seems to be aspiring to the same level of skin care um, mm. as Donald Trump. Mm. Um, uh, he was arrested this week for uh, groping a um, a hostess at the uh, Ravello restaurant in Montgomery. And um, I mean, when, and when I say groping, that's that's really really playing it down. It was say it was determined sexual abuse of the first degree, which is considered a violent crime, which uh, meant that he got a visit from the U S marshals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, he allegedly came up behind this young woman, uh, reached around her, grabbed her breasts, um, ran his hands all, all along her and her waist, uh, tried to kiss her on her neck. Um, again, kind of thrusting his pelvis into her grinding, backside grinding against this, her. Yeah. Yeah, grinding mm-hmm. against her. Um, and this was in the police uh, affidavit mm-hmm. that was attached to the police report mm-hmm. uh, on his arrest. So I'm not just saying this as a voice of God right. sort of thing. Uh, you know, these are other people that have it. And there is video of this, uh, according to uh, – and and I'm, I'm hopeful – I'm hopeful mm-hmm. that I can get a copy of a video mm-hmm. uh, of this taking place. Uh, there, there are at least two different videos I know of. One's a security video uh, that come from Ravello itself, I believe, wow. uh, that is in possession of the Montgomery Police Department. Uh, another one, I'm not sure where the other one come from, but uh, it's floating around out there. And um, so we're going to see what we can't do about getting our hands on that. I mean, I'm not. When I say that, we're not paying for right. it. I don't care to see it that right. much. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, so I just I got to track down uh, the person that that has it. and so, see what uh, see what we can do. So I would yeah. I, I would assume that alcohol was probably involved here. I, I would assume that he would not have done those mm-hmm. things allegedly done those things uh, were he not allegedly inebriated. I mean. I, that that would be my assumption. I can't imagine he would do something like that allegedly as a sober person. Mm, I, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, mm. You know, I, I I I tend to, you know, on things like that. Mm. I'll tell you what what it's what what it, where it strikes me is um, a power sort of a thing, and someone who believes. You know, I think if you do that somewhere, drunk or not, somewhere in the back of your mind, you have to believe that you have the right to do that. So you're saying uh, to someone. So you're saying you think this might be almost a Donald Trump grab him by mm-hmm. the P situation? Yep, I do. I do. And he just forgot the fact that he had to be a star mm. um, to be able to get away with mm. it. Um, and, you know, I, I just. I, I honestly, I do. I do think it, it's um, it's a it's a power sort of a, a you know deal. It's, it's a person that believes that he has the right to treat a young woman uh, in this way. 
Um, mm. You know, that it's uh, and the only thing holding him back when he's not sober are these ridiculous laws put in place by a bunch of liberals, you know, uh, and these mouthy women, these mouthy broads trying to stop him from having a good time. Um, and, you know, I, I just um, and again, allegedly, all this is alleged. We have not seen the video and uh, and, and no one has obviously proven uh, Perry Hooper guilty at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't believe that someone would go to the trouble of filing a police report and having him arrested and having this splash everywhere uh, without there some, having something been uh, done to her. Right. So. Um, you know, I, I just, I just think that it's, you know, I, I've known Perry Hooper for a long time. Um, this sounds like I, him I, to I you. Once, uh, are you, if you're asking whether or not I would be shocked by right. this, but if you said, all right, can you guess who in Montgomery came up behind a waitress and did this? I mean, Perry Hooper would probably be in the five names that I would name out. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, just because, you know, I, it just, you know, is that that guy watched? I, <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you a couple of stories. Mm. Uh, so once, once upon a time, uh, kids, I was a sports writer, um, and uh, that's matter, matter of fact, that's how I started. Uh, and so, and, and when I when you start in uh, in an old time newspaper, you, nobody now has any idea what the hell I'm talking right. about because this is nowhere. Now you just start covering, you know, the Senate, the U.S. Senate. You know, you now you just somebody just says, "Hey, go cover the U.S. Senate today for it." Uh, but at that time, you had to kind of work your way up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, when you're a young sports writer, you get the plum assignments like going to cover the semi-pro baseball team in town, known as the Montgomery Wings, mm-hmm. uh, that off and on can't pay its bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so you never know which players are going to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Perry was part owner of this league, the semi-pro league, which included teams from around the, the general southeastern area. There was one in Louisiana, one in America's Georgia, and they, Montgomery, and one in Selma. Uh, so there were some teams around. And uh, so we I, we're, I was at, the, at Patterson Field uh, one night, named for a racist. Um, and so um, I was uh, covering them, and there had been some trouble. Uh, the the ownership of this league was not paying the bills, and none of the players had received their payment mm. uh, for the last two weeks. And these players were none too happy about mm-hmm. it, and they were not getting answers from anybody. And so I looked down through the press box window, and I see Perry running. I mean, running mm. up the stands. Now, he is running from the bleachers. And behind him is a man who's about 6'5", 250 or so, oh. uh, wearing an America's Georgia, uh, America's team jersey and carrying a baseball bat. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he what? is the first baseman for the America's team. Yeah, and he wants his money. And uh, Perry was running, man, and he made it. He got away from him before the guy got to him. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I don't, uh, that dude was angry that night. Uh, but yeah, so this, that, that was my introduction to Perry Hooper because then later he came into the uh, press box and told me how none of it was his fault. And, you know, he, you got to believe him. He was a victim in this whole thing. And those poor, those players are going to get paid. He, he wanted them to be paid already. And they just, I don't know what happened to the payments, but I, they wanted them to be paid already. Mm. But that's, you know, and, and then I've dealt with him over the years in a number of things. Um, and it's it's just, 
he is who you think he is. You know, I, I had a back during the Roy Moore thing, you know, he was all on Roy Moore's mm-hmm. side. Uh, he was, uh, he, we, we, we did a, a TV interview, which I didn't know. Headline news had called and asked if I would do a TV interview with them. And I did it. Uh, and I didn't know that I was going to be doing it with Perry Hooper. Ah. Um, and, uh, oh, I made Perry so mad during that interview. Oh my God. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I basically called him an idiot mm. and, and he, um, and he, boy, he was angry. He was so mad. And I heard for, for quite some time after that, that he was trying to figure out a way to get back at me. Oh, wow. Uh, so yeah, but, uh, you know, he's dumb. So, so, he couldn't. so you're saying um, he's basically the kind of person who it's easy to believe because of ego, because of poor judgment, because of perhaps a value system or lack thereof yes. would do, would, could do something like this. Hmm. He's just like he's one of those phony dudes, you know. He's just like one of those phony guys that shows up everywhere, always with a handout, you know. Whenever there's money that somebody else has generated, he's there, you know, trying to get a, pay, a piece of it. You know, and I say this, and I, and this is the thing that holds up a lot of people on on Perry is you know, he's got really highly thought of kids. His, his boys are really good people uh, and, and people like him a lot. One's a doctor in Montgomery. Um, you know, his dad's a former uh, chief justice, yeah. uh, you know, was uh, his, and his mom's still around and, and, and is, you know, a really nice lady. And so it, it's, it's just a, you know, I think that's what holds a lot of people up on, on being overly critical publicly of, of Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but otherwise all that stuff with Trump, and the way he behaves, mm-hmm. that's who the guy is. So uh, that's, that's, that's what he thinks. So I'm going to just say, I think some people, the question always comes up, you know, why is it relevant that some politician or somebody who's adjacent to politics like uh, Hooper here, uh, you know, mm-hmm. why does it matter? What makes it so newsworthy that they've gotten involved in some kind of, you know, sleazy sexual situation? Mm-hmm. And and my my answer is always if it's an elected official, well, because inevitably it seems as though our tax dollars are are involved either in the commission yeah. of the act or in the cover up, right? In mm-hmm. his particular mm-hmm. case, if this is all true, and as you said, I personally believe it must be because why else would somebody file an affidavit alleging all of this? Uh, yeah. I, I suspect that the, the that the relevance here would be that here is somebody who's affiliated with a political party that is always Bible thumping. I mean, that's their mm-hmm. brand, a Bible thump. And then you turn around and the Bible thumpers are not just Bible thumping, but they're groping people. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly, yeah. I know, I know. He was... Uh... Well, one of the calls I got about this was uh, somebody telling me, oh, man, he was at our church event last night. Mm. I mean, you know, and that's and that's that's what I think bothers so many people about it is it's just the the phoniness of so many people. And, you know, and, you know, when you deal with those folks on a regular basis like that, it just gets to be too much. You know, it just it's so. Uh, well, you know what I mean? And uh, it, all the stuff he's done with Trump and all, you know, and just good God, stop it. it, it you know, as a church going person, I got to say, look, I, I am the last person to say that we church going people are perfect. We're not. 
I mean, mm-hmm. we we have the same challenges and issues as people who don't go to church or who don't believe in God. I know it from my own personal life. I know it because of what I've seen in my family and with my church, fellow church members. You know, we all, you know, like the Bible says, we all have sinned. So this yeah. is not about that to me, but this is what it is about. It's about building a brand, a political mm-hmm. movement on morality. And yep. then... At the same time that you're doing that or building a business, building a church. I mean, you know, it's it's hypocrisy in a way that I think we all find really problematic when you're building a brand, building a business, building a church where you're espousing Mm -hmm. one thing. You're saying this is what we are. This is what we do. But then in reality. You're doing something else. Yeah, there's there's that. I'll tell you, I've told people a lot, you know, I, I shy away from. A lot of the uh, the the scandals of, of you know the personal scandals you know who's who's got this mistress who's doing this with who you know that that sort of thing you know I, I, that, those sorts of things happen in everyday life with people and you know and and if you're you know you've got a girlfriend you know somewhere uh, on the side for you know hidden from your wife and she finds out about it and it's it's just a personal thing that happened you know or vice versa the wife has a boyfriend and you find out about it and you know. Or whatever, and uh, you know this is this is going on. Those things happen in everyday yep. life, and if they're not affecting what's happening in the government, and you're not using funds improperly to to, to do these things, I don't care. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, you know, but I will say that there are times when you, you do get into the hypocrisy, and where I find it uh, particularly uh, newsworthy is when the people who get caught <laughs> in these things have. Um, have punished other people. Mm-hmm. Um, have have taken rights away from other people uh, in order uh, to achieve some political goal, and then they're caught doing basically the same thing yep. or undermining this value system that they held up as the reason for why they're you know oh, look, look at these Christian values that we must follow over here, and which means that we cannot let you marry the person that you love. And in the meantime, I am sleeping with everybody. You know, it just you know stop it. You know what I mean? I mean, just just stop it. So, all right. I told you, man. Uh, our right wing nut was going to be uh, would take up the whole final segment. So, all right, let's uh, let's get out of here. Um, another high quality show that y'all should totally be paying for, but they won't let me do it yet. Uh, so, uh, until next week, y'all be safe out Peace. there.